Yesterday I was in Iowa for a wedding about five hours from here, a small little town in Iowa. A wedding for a young man who is not my godchild, but I was his confirmation sponsor. Known the family for over 20 years, I got to know them when I was first discerning priesthood when I was in Texas and have known the parents since then as they moved from here to there. Uh, most recently, they've moved to uh, Nebraska City. The wedding was at their home parish, and after the rehearsal, I had a chance to visit with uh, some of the family who live in that small town. And they were sharing with me the way things are changing there. They said it's been over 60 years since they've had a vocation from that parish, over 60 years. And that parish is grouped in a cluster of four, I believe, four small parishes, which we do in our own diocese. But they said we can kind of see the writing on the wall. Few vocations, in fact, so few that the bishop was covering this weekend that cluster of parishes because that pastor came here for his dad's 90th birthday. We can see the writing on the wall. A few years ago, two of the parishes combined their schools so that it might survive at least a little bit longer. And then he said, we had Saturday evening mass until this weekend, and then that was taken away from us. Too few people attending, too few priests ministering. He, can, he said, I can see where this is going. We're consolidating. Eventually, it'll be parishes that are combined and there was great sadness you could see he said you know it's not because there's been a mass exodus of people it's just that too few young folks come to mass and there are too few priests to minister to them there's real sadness and and fear about their future it's a faint echo it seems to me of that first reading. Here you have a people that understood that they had been formed into a nation by God, drawn out of Egypt, given a law, a way of living, and a land which they could live out their relationship with God, and yet they had been deeply unfaithful. Rulers were corrupt, leaders of the their religion were dysfunctional, widespread infidelity. They were exiled away from their land. And you could hear the mourning in that context in which the prophecy from Isaiah came. Don't lose heart. God will fulfill his promise to you. He will return as king to set all things right. You will once again be able to draw nourishment from that which looks so bleak and abandoned and even God-forsaken. So when the disciples were sent out with the words, the kingdom of God is at hand, that would have been met with great excitement. God is finally doing what he has promised to do. From the very beginning when Adam and Eve sinned, not even then that he turned his back on them, but promised that an offspring of Eve would crush the serpent's head. 
God is fulfilling his promise. He's dealing with the underlying problem there. Even the demons were subject to us because of your name. I have seen Satan fall like lightning, Jesus responded. I mean, he's dealing with the demonic power at the root of sin that has a hold on the world. But look at the manner by which the proclamation of the kingdom advances. As he sent him out, take no money back, no sack, no sandals. What I have given you is universally applicable. It's valuable for every person, but not every person will welcome what you have. So do not force it. Shake the dust off your feet and be on your way. Respecting the freedom of the people that he had created while offering them the opportunity, the chance to hear something that would give their lives meaning and value. I mean, he not only said it explicitly, shake the dust off of your feet, but he worked it into the very proclamation of the gospel. Take no money back, no sack, no sandals. I mean, he was saying, writing into the way in which he was sending his disciples out, that you shall not force it on the people to whom you sent. If you try and they do not want it, you have no money, you have no food, you're not going to survive. If they want what you have, notice this, worked into the very proclamation of the gospel is reciprocity. Those to whom you're sent, if they want what you have been given from me, must respond so that there is the possibility of that proclamation because you have nothing else but the gospel. If they want what you have, then they will provide the means necessary so that the gospel might take root and flourish. In other words, he was saying they must take responsibility for this. He's issuing an extraordinary invitation to join him in setting things right, in overturning the evil power that has a hold on the world. Now, notice just from a psychological vantage point, What's going on here? I mean, who of us have not noticed occasions in our life when we have failed to take responsibility? You know, at work, maybe. When we could have done something, maybe that was incumbent upon us to do, or maybe that we could have done for someone else and became less valuable, in a sense, to our employer or when we did less than what we could have done in a relationship with someone else, did not seem that it was worth the effort to sacrifice. And so the relationship suffered. Did not take responsibility in the home for doing chores, for doing the work that we could have done and made the environment of the house less pleasant, less productive. I mean, it's not only that it's less productive, but... What do you notice when you don't take responsibility that you feel worse about yourself? Because I'm not the person I could have been if I would have done the good that could have been done. And I have to live with that. Jesus is saying, here's the greatest good. 
the most rewarding message there is. Take responsibility. I sometimes think that the custom that grew up around after Vatican II, which is legitimate of the priest facing the people, has had some downsides to it. I mean, the way the Mass is written is still that the priest faces the same direction as everyone else. So the directions say, turn to the people and say, the Lord be with you. Right? Still envisions everyone moving in the same direction. One of the downsides, it seems to me, after 16 years of priesthood, is that by turning us this direction, it seems, especially in the world in which we live with all the screens, that we're on a screen. That there are spectators out there just looking to see and forgetting that we're involved in this extraordinary act of making all things new. Don't miss the opportunity to take responsibility just by participating. It's a tragedy to see whole families not engaged, books not used for the hymns. Take responsibility. Don't miss the opportunities. Kids, you have a place in this as well. If you're of age to serve and you don't serve, you're saying, this is not that important. Let someone else do the work. I'll go along for the ride. I had friends here last weekend. They surprised me, former parishioners. And they said, one, they said, wow, your parish is alive with young people. It's true. There's a lot of life. And they mentioned, they, they complimented uh, parents, you know, when somebody was rowdy, they took him out. Okay, that was good. But the dad said there was one child in elementary school that went out five times during Mass. Kids, do you have a part to play in this as well? Right? If you're prepared well, engage deeply. Right? There's something that you're bringing here too that you have the opportunity to engage in. And certainly as we think of our campaign, the question will be placed to each of us, the kingdom of God, what does that mean to me? There was an irony at the wedding. For in this place, it was a beautiful church, old church, you can see there was deferred maintenance. That's going to be an issue coming soon. But there were four priests at this parish, none of whom were assigned there, none of whom were from that diocese. Myself and then three priests from the Lincoln Diocese, from Nebraska, where the family lives in now. Lincoln is known for a number of vocations. They have an extraordinary number of men ordained as priests every year. And so as the three priests were there in support of their, their either current or former parishioners, I said, you know, have you guys ever thought of being missionaries? You know, maybe to other dioceses, you know, share some of that. And he said, in fact, we have been talking about that because of the number of priests sitting around. 
the gospel flourishes where there's a desire for it, where there is reciprocity, it grows. And may it be so for us here too.